episode with Wheezy from Horrible Decisions and fast forward to a year basically a year later now we're doing it again and New York has been cool this weekend has been a lot of drinking for me (laughs) this is the first time I've been to New York on like just a chill not working in years so like I don't know how to act you're acting cray (sighs) but somehow I'm not hungover me and Jamila went did I don't know what we did last night for no reason. I went, we went to like a shady liquor store after hours and I got like a bottle of Patron from a small window. <laughs> it was very shady. Um, yeah, it was, I don't even know what we were doing there. But anyway, I'm here. We're here. And we have a special guest. We have Alex. I don't know. Do we go just Alex Undone? Alex Undone, Alexandra, Alex. Just not Lex or Lexi. Um, <laughs> you hate those abbreviations? Okay. Is that a puppy? Uh, yeah, because it comes from people on the internet that have never met me, and I know for a fact I've never introduced myself to anybody as Lex ever. <laughs> so I'm already like, mm, I don't know you. They're like, oh, you're, yeah. trying, to, you're trying to act like you know me. Because yeah, girl, that's not, not even my nickname. Right. Um, but I've been following Alex for a while on Instagram. Um, I don't know how I found you. Just your beautiful face. <laughs> like, yeah, that's about sounds about right. <laughs> I was like, who's this beautiful, beautiful human? Face. I'll take it. <laughs> Um, and then I realized that, you know, you were a parent. I think, I don't even know if I started following before I was even a parent. Uh, who knows? Um, but then I realized you were a parent and, you know, you're on a single parent journey, just yes, like me and yes. Jamila. And I was like, oh my God, it'd be so cool if she came on. So thank you. Thank you yes, for coming I'm so on. Glad. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you for traveling to come on <laughs> yeah. like six hours. I was like, damn, that's kind of far. Well, because when I hit, when I, when we hit you up, I originally thought you were, um, out here. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, that's all good. But you know, you're here. You made it. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I love it. And I mean, you guys being moms, I didn't want to pass on this either because these are the these are the people that need to be leading these kinds of conversations. Right. So many other people like to talk about motherhood, and they they don't have any experience to contribute to the pot. So I'm glad that we're having this conversation. So how old is your daughter? My daughter is eight. She's eight. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. A Scorpio baby. Oh, Ooh. Too. oh hey. okay. Yeah. Okay. Wait, what's your sign? I'm Pisces, but she's uh, Scorpio, November seventeenth. Oh, she's oh, nice. the real deal, Scorpio. Spicy. I'm October twenty fifth. Uh, yeah. yeah. October Scorpios are dangerous. Are we? I, I thought they were milder. I thought you were milder. Well, I was also raised. I think it's also like I'm raised by Libra. Like all those things take. And also, if you're really into astrology, the moon sign, the rising sign. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exact time you were born. Are you into astrology? Kind of, sort of. I don't think it's going to dictate my day, depending on how the clouds are aligned. But <laughs> some of the um, trends, some of the yeah, some of the uh, traits, the character traits, um, I think are really helpful if you use them in terms of compatibility. Now, compatibility doesn't mean that we're synced to be in a relationship. Coworkers can be compatible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there's some truth there. Mm-hmm. Well, we're all compatible because we're all water signs, <laughs> Cancer, Pisces, and Scorpio. Yes, yes. So, yeah, this is a flowing situation here. Sure <laughs> is. Um, so sometimes we play this game with guests. Um, it's called Trigger. Okay. And it's like it's just an easy like icebreaker so that we can get to know you quickly. Our guests can get to know who you are quickly. I mean, obviously they won't know everything. These are just. Basically, the game is we say a word and you say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, so this is trigger. (laughs) I need to put like that, like, (laughs) that we did in our live show. Yeah, the clip. (laughs) Definitely Um, do. Alex, I'm done version. (laughs) You ready? I think so. All right. (laughs) Date of birth? February 19th. Favorite color? Blue. Harlem. New York. (laughs) Aladdin. Ooh, Will Smith. Naomi Campbell. She's flawless. Uh, croissant versus bagels. Bagels. Boxers or briefs? Both. Uh, sexuality. Fluid. Trump. 
Ugh. Is that a word? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much when it describes him, it is. A love or money. Can I love my money? <laughs> um, love. I'm quit playing. The shade room. What's in the tea? Okay, <laughs> the tea. Beyonce or Solange? <laughs> why, would, why would you whisper? Is anyone going to hear the song? Oh, no, because either way it goes, <laughs> no, I feel no, like I I'm letting people down. Like, there's the beehive. The beehive that I'm like, oh, my you. God. And then there's people that are like, what? No, how could you? So they're both good. It's a win-win. Identity. Ah, sorry. <laughs> so much comes to mind, I can't limit it to one word. Identity, um... Mother. Mother ring comes to mind when I hear the word mother. Father. Mm, essential. The Kardashians. Next. <laughs> Vagina. Love it. Birth. Hard. Family. Uh, vital. Fuckboy. No too many. <laughs> Instagram models. You know, there's room for everybody, but um, there's a lot of people fucking up the money right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, LA. Narcissists. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you do know that's where we're from. <laughs> uh, top model. Subjective. <laughs> Gucci. Are we still... Uh, Supporting them or boycotting them? I think we're, they're still crossed off the okay, list. Okay, okay. Um, childhood. Mm. Traumatizing. Pregnancy. Traumatizing. <laughs> Body dysmorphia. Uh, for the longest, I didn't think that that was the title to describe me, but it might be. Mm. Self-care. Uh, daily. Touching the mic just because I'm scared. The mic is acting crazy. <laughs> Triggers. I'm identifying them. Women. Love them. Man. I love him too. Plastic surgery. For it. They're stressing me out walking by. <laughs> um, politics. Mm. I used to not be for it, but it's a privilege to not be for it. Um. Sex. I had more of it. <laughs> Celibacy. Mm, not for everyone. Single mom. It's a journey. Michael Jackson. Ooh, I'm still on the fence. <laughs> self- I haven't seen the documentary yet. Oh, um, that's documentary. Yeah. <laughs> um, self harm. Relatable, unfortunately. Therapy. I'm in therapy. It's so good. I'm a huge advocate of therapy. Oprah. Mama. Text or call? Text. Passion. Dying. Insecurity. Growing. True love. Rare. Fantasy. Misconstrued for reality. Idols. Time. Pet peeve. Mm, People that familiarity and call me Lex. (laughs) (laughs) Biggest regret? Not going to college, not finishing college. Favorite porn category? Do I have a favorite? (laughs) (laughs) I just threw that in there. That wasn't even written down. (laughs) (laughs) You know, interestingly enough, I found myself watching guy-on-guy porn because... The girl-on-girl porn, I feel like, was made for men, so any real lesbian or bi person watching it can't relate, because it's so, I mean, obviously it's porn, it's all performative, but I watch it, and I'm like, that's not what we do. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not a lesbian porn watcher, mm-hmm. so I do like watching gay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's not really popular when you tell people, though. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really, I'm happy you confessed, because last time, yeah. Babe, never mind. I don't think we can watch porn together. Yeah. This, isn't, this isn't gonna work out. I don't know. Yeah. I've watched I've watched like guy on guy, not in can't nope, not into it. No thanks. I don't really know what my obsession is with it either. It's not my only category, but it's definitely. It's like your, it's a go to for you? Maybe, yeah. Hmm. 
along with some other weird shit. Right. So I probably need to, <laughs> probably need to dissect that. <laughs> I think it's equal parts like fascination and curiosity, yeah. and then uh, like um, aggressive. Yeah, yeah. they're, they're like hardcore. Really, they are. Yeah. I mean, they're men. Yeah, right. I would assume. Right. I'm just gonna check this because I'm getting stressed. Okay, I'm just gonna make sure everything's cool. Um, wait, what was your childhood trigger? What did you say? Trauma. I probably said traumatizing. Traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Because your childhood was traumatizing, or because childhood could be traumatizing. Period. Like no, I had a good childhood overall, but I just had so many feelings I didn't know what to do with. I didn't know how to cope. I didn't know how to express what I was feeling. So I think that a lot of my experiences were harder than they had to be, because um, I didn't have the support because nobody knew that I needed it. I was so good at covering my tracks and smiling through everything um are you are you an only child no i'm the middle of three all oh. girls though all girls mm-hmm. they always say that middle child no, i'm just kidding i know they say something about that middle child always always kinda... so you you said you were good at covering and acting like... yeah yeah my mom found out half the stuff that went on with me um, when she joined instagram as of late because i'm more expressive as a writer than i am um when i speak or just i don't know with family members and people I care about. There's a lot that I don't share. So when she got on Instagram and read my captions and really saw how transparent and vulnerable I was, she was like, wow. Also, ouch, I didn't, you know, I didn't know. Right, so, I mean, as a parent, you probably like, feel like, a, like what could I have done? Right, day? right, right, right. And so where did you grow up again? I grew up in Germany. Okay, yeah. Germany. Uh, dad was army, so I was a military brat, and then my mom is German, so born and raised over there. So your dad met your mom while mm-hmm. he was like uh, out there? Mm-hmm. He was stationed out there. Yeah. She was working for the German military at the time. They met at some nightclub off base, and the rest right. is history, yeah. And they're still married now. Mm-hmm. Wow, beautiful. Mm-hmm. So what's your ethnicity then? You're German and, and black. And uh-huh. black. Okay, cool. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. Um, oh, don't we have another friend that's German? Amina. Amina, yeah. Um, do you speak German? I do. Nice. I do. Does your dad speak German too? No. He can say, like, the German word for beer is the same as it is in English, ein Bier bitte. You just spell it differently. So he can do, like, a few words like that that don't require much effort. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of effort right, right there. That doesn't even sound like beer. <laughs> Bier bitte. Bier bitte. Yeah. bitte. <laughs> Okay, I know what to do when I get to Germany. Um, you said your daughter's eight? Yes. So, because you feel like you didn't talk a lot growing up, mm-hmm. or there was feelings that you couldn't process, how has that affected like how you're mothering her so that like your transparency seeps into that? Um, I am really mindful. I am very observant. Um, because in some ways she doesn't express either and I feel like she's a lot like me and then I also don't wanna, we have the tendency to think that our kids need what we needed and that's not always the case. So, right, Um, so that's just something that I try to watch out for but I notice when she's discontent and I try to give her a few minutes to herself um, so that she can process her own feelings and then I knock on the door and I say okay, you know, we, we have to have this conversation right now. Because I just I don't want it to go unaddressed because I know what happened to me when my feelings went unaddressed, right. you know. Um, how old were you when you had her? I was nineteen. Oh, you're pretty young. Mm-hmm. Were you, were you and the guy in a relationship? How's your relationship now? How's co-parenting? Um, we were both fresh out of high school. Well, we had been out of high school for a year, um, and he was set to go to the military. And when he was off in basic training, that's when I found out that I was pregnant. So I had to call him and told him via phone. Um, It was a very short relationship. My heart wasn't in it. Um, I didn't know what love was. I had nothing to compare it to. I knew it wasn't this fairy tale feeling that, you know, would overcome you and that it was something you had to work for. So I thought that with her dad, okay, well, maybe we just have to work at it. Um, but what I know now is is that you should feel something, you know, even if it's just like a little spark, you know, you might have to work to keep that spark, right. but you should feel something. So there was no spark there at all wasn't. from the beginning? There wasn't. And was it like your high school sweetheart? Mm-mm. Um, no, not even. Um, and unfortunately, um, her dad, he was really infatuated with me in the beginning, but what that meant for me was that I never had an opportunity to catch up, you know, because while I'm still trying to figure out if I like you or how invested I am, you know, he was in love. And I just, I was never able to catch up to that, so. Um, Does he have other kids now, or? No, he's married. Um, We have a court order in place, though. We handled it that way. Um, 
and she sees him a few times a year. Does he live close? Not at all. Military family. Oh, so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's in Texas. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that? Like, So he's remarried, mm-hmm. and you had to send her with him like a few times a year. Have mm-hmm. you met that wife? Yeah, that was... Um, it's so crazy, because I never saw my life going this way. By no means do I... Um, I don't think anybody. Right. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> what you think is going to happen and then what yeah. actually happens. Um, not that I regret my daughter at all, but I didn't think that I would come into motherhood this way. Um, she was... Lily's stepmom and her dad were both stationed um, together and got married while they were away. So I had to be the one to tell Lily, hey, um, not only is daddy dating somebody, daddy has a wife. Mm. Um, so that was kind of like, I didn't like being put in that position. Um, well, why didn't he tell her? That Right, that part. So <laughs> that's where I feel like I slipped up. I'm like, oh man, that was your responsibility and I really did a lot of labor there for you. Right. Um, so I let him know now, I'm like, listen, whatever babies you guys might pop out, don't look to me. You know, that's the conversation that you gotta have with her. If she has a sibling on the way, I can't do your, Dirty work, right? Mm-hmm. But you guys are cool. The wife and you, and she's we're civil. Cool with, oh. We're civil. Um, I just can't imagine, like, because I'm a single parent. You know, her father. I don't know who he would date, but um, mm-hmm. it, like, if it, and but he, and he lives in he lives in my state. So mm-hmm. I could imagine, like, if you're if the father of your child lives somewhere else, your daughter doesn't see him all the time is married out to a woman that you don't really know and mm-hmm. then sending them away every summer when you you know the routine. You know her routine. Mm-hmm. You know what she needs. You know what she eats. You know what she, you know? And, like, yeah. there's been all this space and time between their relationship and I don't know, like, how often they talk, whatever, and then sending your kid over there. I mean, I got, actually, my mom, I know, felt like that a lot in the summer times. I would get sent to Texas to go spend time with my family there and I could, like, she would feel, feel anxiety. Yeah, like, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you eating? Did you eat three meals? Mm-hmm. Like... Especially, I don't know, like, she's eight now, right? So, but when she's younger, even younger, like, does he know how to take care of her? Is he going to bathe her? Like, all those things. It's pretty anxiety-inducing to um, think about because this summer is actually the first time that we've worked our way up to overnight visits. Um, All the court stuff has been a recent transaction. So before then, it was just, you know, visits, but I was still always there, Mm. or if he did take her during the day... I knew that she was coming back. So oh, okay. He so wasn't it wasn't really, like you were just... Wait, right. Is that because that was on his request, or you didn't want her to spend the night? Or? Well, um, it just... It didn't, it didn't work out, you know, to, to, you have to be very present to co-parent. And I just want to say, by no means am I um, bashing anybody, oh. but I can't, I can't fill in the gaps and add events that just haven't transpired, you know? It requires effort on both parts. Um, and that was part of the reason that I chose to go to court, because I feel like while it is absolutely essential, you know, the importance of having a male figure in a child's life and a female figure is detrimental, I'm not going to let that be the reason I allow you to come in and out at your leisure. Mm. We're going to put some um, routine and schedule behind this, or you're not going to see her at all, because I'll be damned if I have a daughter that has daddy issues, because you're, you come and go this is a revolving door situation. And so that's that's when we went to court, and that was also, um, it's a hard thing being in a courtroom in front of a judge, even though you know you haven't done anything wrong, and you're going advocating for your child, because your entire family is a, is a stack of papers right now, and somebody's making a decision, and they don't even know you. Right. And him being a military member, at the end of the day, we live in America, that looks very patriotic and wholesome right. on paper. Um, stacked up against the model. Right. So for that reason, I waited seven years before I took him to court because I wanted the judge to see, hey, listen, he hasn't been gone because of the military. It's not a deployment that's been keeping him right. away. I have been pulling double duty for seven years. Just because. And mind you, I know how the military works. I grew up in the military. You get leave. They make you take leave at a certain point. You can't just rack up your days to infinity. Um, and so that's why we went to court. Um, and that's why I said that we were only civil because it's just, I can't be friends with somebody that's not putting forth the same effort that I am. I'm going to respect you because you're still her father, but we are not friends. Well, because she's the most important thing in your life. Right. And when you have, when you share that with someone else and they don't, and you don't feel like 
they they're putting forth the effort that you want right. to do. You can't help but be a little right. I mean, in general, pissed. Like, I wouldn't have a, <laughs> I wouldn't even be fr- have a homegirl that I thought was like a half-ass mom. Right. I wouldn't be friends with the guy that I was like. So where, how often do you see? I'll ask a guy if you have kids, where that could live. How often do you see right. that guy? If it's the answers are not up to par, in my opinion, I'm not gonna like you like that. Like same. <laughs> if I ever, I mean. Obviously, before I had a kid, I was very selfish, and I I knew right away I didn't want to talk to anybody with kids. I want to be number one. I'm not interested in seeing that drop-down wallet of, and this is little (laughs) Timmy when he's eating. I was like, no, if you have a kid, I I don't want any parts of you. Um, But obviously, now that I'm a mother, um, I've changed. I've grown up. I've evolved. I would definitely entertain the idea of somebody with a kid, but my first line of questions are going to be just like yours. So, do you have kids? How often do you see them? Where are they? What's their favorite color? What's your teacher's name? You know, right. things right, that right. a Only day-to-day a parent knows, knows, not a weekend parent. Right, you know, right. so. But Lily's eight. She's old enough to speak up. She has um, an iPad so that I can FaceTime her, mm-hmm. and she's always available right. and accessible to me. So I know that if anything were to happen, my baby could reach me. Right, right. You know, and he's he, he may not be the best dad in the world, but he's he's not a criminal. You know, right. I don't think that he would ever harm her. Um, How is it raising? Um, you know. A, a daughter or just a child like I know you don't live here anymore but in New York City mm-hmm. it's like when I got pregnant I actually was living in New York Ooh, and well I left <laughs> <laughs> gotta go yeah, uh, okay. I, 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 I found out I was pregnant and then I was like her father lived in LA my family lives in LA I was like mm-hmm. there's no reason for me to be here even though I wanted to stay so bad I knew that I needed that support mm-hmm. and I also couldn't imagine raising a child here even if maybe he was here it's just like living in New York is I love New York it's one of my favorite cities in the whole world and I I'm I want to actually move back here at some point um but raising a child here I like yesterday on the train I saw the lady with a baby stroller a newborn Mm -hmm. and then she had like a like a four-year-old and then she had enough I was like how I saw somebody with a dog I I was like like, why I told I was like you are the shit because I don't even know how you got down now here. Now imagine that in winter though, and like yeah, the steps I can't. are icy I, I, and hot, like when it's August or and winter. Like, I even can't, like because I can't. you're a model too, like mm-hmm. trying to get to castings and like, did you bring her with you? Like, I do. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, how like, because I, I mean, I audition. I'm an actor too, and I audition. Mm-hmm. I've had to bring Iris sometimes and ask strangers like, hey, can you just sit here for mm-hmm. like five minutes with her? She's fine. Just yeah, you know, like, and that's kind of scary too. Like, oh my god, I'm leaving her with this stranger. I, I think they're cool, right? Mm-hmm. They're cool, right? There's cameras. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, what, is that, what was that like, like, I'm New York? I'm fortunate enough that by the time I first brought my daughter to New York, she was maybe six, oh, five okay. or six. So, she was she was able to walk. walk she around. was able okay. to keep up yeah. with me. Um, she got with the program. I always bring her scooter up when I have her with me so that she can keep up with my, because, like, two of my steps are ten of hers. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I would take her to castings with me, and she knew the deal. I would always bring like a Rubik's Cube or something to entertain her mind, um, bring a few books, a few snacks. All right, mommy's going to be in and out in five minutes. Um, another time I had her with me over the summer, and I had booked a job for uh, Jordans. And I was like, okay, well, I got my kid with me, and they were so awesome. They were like, all right, bet. Well, let's fly you both out then. So she was with me in Chicago. That's um, they had somebody in-house that was able to watch her and, you know, take her on a tour around the city while mom was working. Oh, wow, that's wow. really nice. Granted, every job doesn't do that. Of course like, not. Offering and, yeah. But it was really cool to have that experience and to be able to have her close by. And I was like, oh, this is, this is what it feels like to be a working mom. <laughs> so. How did you get into modeling? Um... I was asked if I could model for um, a lady in Germany. I was working retail at the time, and she was designing these kind of vesty things, and she gave me 50 bucks. She was like, it's not much, this is all I have, and she gave me 50 bucks, um, and that kind of planted the seed. And then I went to Model Mayhem, which is like, I don't recommend that for anybody. But that was how I started, you know? Um, and from there, it was just that ripple effect. One photographer sees your work, he wants to work with you. As soon as you guys do that shoot, all his photographer buddies are like, whoa, new face. Right. And it just kind of spreads like that. And Did you start modeling before or after you had her? I started before, and then I had her, and then I, it took a, took a, um, it went to the back burner, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. And then I got more serious about it after I had her, because I was like, okay there's going to be a really short window here where I can make this work or where I miss the opportunity altogether. Would and you say it's your passion? 
expressing myself is my passion and that comes in many forms right now that happens to be modeling in a lot of ways it's also writing it's also painting um i need to be able to express um modeling allows me to do that um Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> same, same. <laughs> so we're in a, uh, guys, we're like in a WeWork right now, and there's a lot like happening. There's a lot, there's a lot of people walking around and stuff. Things happening. Um, what was I gonna ask you? Uh, what is your daughter like? How did your daughter be modeling? Like, you know, our kids want to be just like, like their moms mm-hmm. and stuff. They're, like, is she interested in modeling? And like, how? Also, because like, so for me, like modeling. I'm wondering, like, I know there's a lot of things that go into it. Obviously, you have to take care of your body. Then there's people that have, like, you know, body dysmorphia or yeah. body or eating disorders and, like, being around that whole environment. And also, your daughter looking looking to that, does she feel like she wants to be a model? Mm-hmm. Or do you, do you have to have conversations with her about, you know, bodies mm-hmm. and that you have yours and that's your body? And, mm-hmm. like, you know, I just, I'm just curious how that works as a model and um. mom. I am very open with my daughter because I don't want her to have the insecurities that I had. Um, We are only given one body, so I try not to comment on her traits or her growing body so much because, A, if I bring awareness to it, now she has that awareness brought to it, and I don't want her forming opinions about a body that ultimately she's not going to be able to change. You know, Mm -hmm. she has to learn to love it. that being said, I'm also really mindful about when I'm looking in the mirror or when I'm stepping on the scale because I'm just, I'm in a very numbers-based line of work, but an eight-year-old can't compute that. So she might see mommy stepping on the scale and go, oh, you know, and then Is that start, how we value our beauty? Right, right. Our um, bodies. Mm-hmm. She actually does not have a passion to model. Um, I've asked her about it. I think that she would be great, you know, as most parents do. But she sat me down and she said, Mom, look, this is your passion. I love animals, okay? I want to work with animals. <laughs> That's awesome. And I was like, Fine. okay. You know, how do you force your... At this point, I'm literally forcing her if I, after that, still try to make her do something. Um, but yeah, it's very important to me that she sees me naked, that she sees me just being very accepting because... You know, I'm raising a young girl in a world that is very critical about everything that makes her a woman or, mm-hmm. you know. How do you deal with that, too, in, in modeling and, like, all of that, like, the judgment and especially if you, I don't know what kind of insecurities you had growing mm-hmm. up. Were they were they about your body or was it just? Absolutely. And it's crazy because, obviously, I'm in a very, like, uh, superficial kind of line of work. It's, it's totally based on looks. I mean, you have, to have a, you have to be easy to work with and, you know, all that stuff, but it's very much a looks-oriented thing. Um, and so sometimes I get into my head, I'll look in the mirror, and I know my angles. It's my job to know my angles, my good side, my bad side, how to work the space. And I can overthink to the point that I look in a mirror and I say to myself, hey, do I really look this thin or am I just so good at what I do now that I know what angles to turn to? Mm. Am I thin or am I not? And I can easily go down a rabbit hole obsessing over things like that. Um, but I have a counselor now that I talk to and a therapist and he tells me, he's like, listen, don't, don't get on the scale. Like, you know, I have a feeling at this point, you know what you're doing and you're experienced enough and... You know, we try to get to that next step for so long, whether it's in modeling or whatever our career is, that we don't realize that we're in survival mode. And so sometimes I have to consciously get myself out of that and tell myself, hey, listen, the, that, that way of thinking, you're good now. Like, you already made it. It's okay to relax a little bit, not fall off, but I don't have to stress and obsess the same way that I used to. So you used to... Be very conscious of your weight. With, yeah, because I, I mean, I'm, I'm almost six feet tall. I was always tall. I had to grow into everything. My ears, my feet <laughs> were the first thing that grew. Um, and I was so lanky. Um, I would always hover because I didn't feel comfortable with my height. And the thing now is I go to a, cra- a chiropractor like three times a week mm-hmm. because when you're a tall girl and you always hunch, well, by the time you get into your late 20s, early 30s, it takes a toll on your spine. So now I'm physically undoing all those years of, you know, not being comfortable with my height or the things that... You mentioned, too, I'm, through following you and watching your transparency, you mentioned that you used to cut, be a cutter. Mm-hmm. And is that 
what what started that and how old were you and like how do you talk to your daughter about that does she know about that yeah yeah because she um she sees my scars and she asks um I started cutting when I was in middle school and the event that triggered it was so it was so silly, you know. My younger sister had a boyfriend. Her and I both did. We were dating these two basketball players, and they were best friends, and then they were dating sisters, so we thought we were cool. <laughs> um, and my younger sister had her first kiss with this guy before I did. And I was mortified because I put such an expectation and weight on my shoulders that I'm the older sister, I'm supposed to show her the ropes, oh, I'm humiliated, my little sister beat me to it. <laughs> I wasn't resentful towards my sister or anything, but it was just this pressure that I put on myself, and I didn't know what to do with those emotions. And so I would always cut, never with the intention of killing myself, but it was a form of punishment. How did the cutting, like, how did, how did that, like, you thought, like, what was the moment where you were like, I'm going to pick this up and this is going to be my tool? Like, did you see it somewhere else or? Not even. Like, I remember I used to write like really dark, sad, and terrible poetry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, can't, I threw the diary away, but one line was, I write in red for the blood I shed. Oh, <laughs> it was really just dark and miserable. And, you know, my eyes were filled with tears and I, I don't know, honest to God, why I thought that that was going to be a solution because it's not I mean it's all of it is a misguided attempt at regulating your emotions um and I started drinking at an early age too like I was drinking at 13 um because it was an escape you know you didn't feel anything when you drank you right. all the feelings come back afterwards but for that moment you're able to escape and I think that that's always what I was looking for is an escape and your and so your your did your mom ever or your dad ever became aware of your cutting? And not until my senior year of high school. Okay. Um, I never cut in a place that was um, an exposed area because I did. Contrary to what a lot of people say, I didn't do it for attention. I didn't want anybody to know, and nobody knew. You know, I was I was prom queen. I was <coughs> captain of my track team. I had all A's. My teachers loved me. So I also felt guilty that I was doing this behind closed doors because I had so much to be grateful for. Why couldn't I be happy? Um, and senior year, um, I started drinking. I was in my room. I was having a pity party. I was going through that, uh, I call it like the guilt loop from hell. And I said, I just, you know, I deserve to die. I just started repeating that over and over in my head. And it was definitely the alcohol at that point because mm -hmm. I had never... Suicide, being suicidal and um, self-mutilation are two different things. They overlap, but they're still two different things. Um, but the combination of the alcohol and the emotions and everything that I was going through, I took a knife from my parents' cabinet drawer and I just started cutting on my arm. And my parents heard me sobbing and they broke into my room, the bathroom, wherever I was. And as a parent now, I can only imagine how their heart <coughs> had to just drop. Mm. Um, and that was when I first got introduced to therapy. Mm -hmm. um, so that was why I stayed in Germany after I graduated high school and then met Lily's dad. Because um, I was originally set to go to University of North Texas. Mm -hmm. um, so that's my one regret, you know. I, I never finished school. I always started a little bit, but had a huge fork in the road. So then what was your journey away from that? Like, was therapy really what what did it or was it your, was it your daughter like what did, do you ever feel have those thoughts of going back because I mean I, I don't have I, I've never self-harm I don't mm -hmm. know what the process is in that and like how you move how you move through it and navigate right. through it or is it something you always constantly have to check kind of like you know someone who might have who, who has an eating disorder right. like it's kind of something you live with forever and in ways you have to unlearn and really check yourself so mm -hmm. I don't know if that's the same with self-harm or do Constantly. you or do you switch self-harms right. you know it's kind of like when you like a drug addict they stop doing that drug and then they start smoking cigarettes mm -hmm. instead like do you switch addictions or I think over the over a period of time I did I wasn't I wasn't <clears throat> treating um, the source I was just finding other coping mechanisms that still weren't healthy you know maybe I wasn't cutting now but I was hitting the bottle too much or I was partying too much still trying to numb myself to whatever degree um, that first introduction to counseling, it, it didn't work. A, I, um, I didn't have the language still to express what I was feeling, and 
I wasn't comfortable opening up to this strange man. I didn't feel like he knew me or he could relate to me. Um, so for that, that year, I really went to put my parents at ease because I knew that they needed that. I knew that after what they just saw, they if they send mind. that baby off to school in Texas, because mind you, I'm in, I'm in Germany, so I'm going to a college. I haven't even had a chance to like tour the campus and do all that cool stuff that kids get to do here in the States when you know, you're, you're close, just right? everything stateside. So I knew the thought of sending me now terrified them. And I was like, let me go to counseling. Mm -hmm. um, so I wasn't really invested in it. I was going through the motions. I was doing it for the wrong reasons. And I didn't have the language to really talk about what I was feeling. Um, not until I revisited counseling as an adult, which has been like in the past two years, um, was I able to um, actually see the benefit. Mm. Lily was the actual catalyst that um, triggered that change because I could not be a mom that was still harming myself in that way. So when I became pregnant with her, I stopped cutting. So I, I haven't cut for eight years now. Isn't that beautiful how kids do that, mm -hmm. you know? Like, because they really hold the mirror, and mm -hmm. it's like suddenly you have all this responsibility, right. and you're like, I don't want to pass this on to you. Right. What can I do? I need to help myself. But in the, same, at the same, uh, in the same breath, something that I have to hold myself accountable to is great. Lily might be the person that triggered that change, but that's too big of a responsibility to put on my uh -huh. daughter's shoulders. So I need to make sure that I'm continuing on this path of betterment for myself as well because mm -hmm. um, that's just that's too much responsibility to put on a child you know yeah yeah it's so interesting to hear you talk about like um, like if, you, if I think about like my teenage years mm -hmm. like junior high high school I also wrote a lot of really weird dark right. poetry I think, it was, I think it's hormones I, 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 that, that, that has to be I was, I was, yeah. going, I, I was, <laughs> I was writing very some dark. weird shit I looked in some journals and I had some pictures I drew and I, I was, was like, like what I know I know and I was just you talking about it is like taking me back to those times in my life and I'm like you know it's I'm happy that we're here having this conversation mm -hmm. because now <laughs> with that reference we can somewhat we can better address our our daughters in those right. ages because I think it's true. I think like those preteen teenagers, there's all this weird hormonal shit happening. There's all these feelings mm -hmm. that you're feeling without the tools to express yourself. So I guess that's the expression, like those really dark, bad poetry yeah. and journals. That's the attempt. <laughs> right. But also like I had a like a cutting phase when I was in like junior high and I think it's because like I was at a like small private school. We all read this book. The bitches were cutting and drinking, mm -hmm. so we're like, "Yeah, this is." So, but I, I, I. I uh, so was it for, So, do you think it was more for attention or no, just well, because that's what? I don't think it was an attention, but it, it dawned on me recently that because I asked myself, "Why was I doing that?" Because my mom, right. like, I have a scar too, but it was on this side. My mom noticed it and she said something to me, um, like in that time, and I remember harming myself and feeling like some sort of release right like I had control over the pain if I could mm -hmm. control it then maybe like what I was feeling inside didn't hurt as much and I it dawned on me like that because I that was so long ago but I really and I also drank really early I just thought I was mm -hmm. wild I'm wild now I just thought I was wild then but mm -hmm. I didn't ever associate it with the, a numbing of anything because again you look back at your childhood you're like I had parents I had a house I had food right like, what bitch would you trip it you know but I I realized I was like when I think of harming myself and that how that brought some kind of satisfaction or some weird kind of like I don't know, like, I think about how it has it transferred to other ways. Mm -hmm. And I think about, like, my patterns, like, how my patterns have been sexually mm -hmm. and interacting with men and, like, having just, like, Oof. unnecessary sex. Yeah. And how that has had almost was my graduation to self-inflicted pain. Mm -hmm. Like, I have control over this pain. Right. Even yeah. though I didn't, I never associated it until recently. Right. We actually, that's what we were talking about, how self-harm can be. You can self-harm through sex. Through sex. Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah. Self-sabotage is um, has been a very recurring theme in my life, um, whether it was through the drinking or through physically harming or through the sex. And, again, very recently I realized, um, you know, that a lot of people talk about, like, you know, healing our inner child. And I think that that's a reason a lot of my relationships failed. A, I was introduced to sex too early. Mm -hmm. I was having sex for the wrong reasons. And so my mind, my way of thinking was, okay, well, if I give you me, like, this is like the, I'm giving you me, right? In return, I need you to like, 
nurture me and make me like feel safe and protected but love me but no it was a sexual transaction or especially now you're talking friends with benefits there might not even be a title on there it's like oh no they might not even really be your friend right and so not that everybody doesn't want to be you know feel cared for and 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 taken care of but for me it came from this deeper place i was actually looking for that looking to them to heal my inner child it was transactional in a way and yeah. but i was never getting what i wanted out of the deal right. so then i felt shorted and regretful like right. why did i do that i can't take back what i gave you and here i am feeling shorted and it just it transpired in a very ugly way like my relationship suffered um, and my i don't know my sexual experiences also suffered a lot because of that stuff that stuff that like it's not until now like in your 30s or once you become a parent Mm -hmm. that you're able to like maybe identify it right well because when you think of self-harm you think of like something physical right something you can see you don't think about like other ways that you self-harm through your diet through sex Mm -hmm. through your relationships toxic relationships through patterns through you know drinking drugs like and i really did not think about self-harm in a sexual way until we had that conversation the other day but it's also talking about our sexual trauma yeah and i was like damn i've been a self-harmer in that way for probably since the the beginning of sex for me Mm -hmm. You know, because of the reasons why I started having sex and the attention that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't, it was purely, it was never, we we had a guest on and she was talking about how, like, we were put on this earth as man and woman to procreate. Literally, sex is purely, at at the root of it, is just for procreation. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, everything else is just fun. Right. Um, And when she said it to me that way, I was like, it's so true, and we share our body. I mean, not that like every person I have sex with is gonna be my baby daddy, right? But like we share ourselves so freely with people and exchange so much energy, like it's nothing, mm-hmm. and then wonder why we're left feeling depleted. like depleted mm-hmm. when we share ourselves with something like that. When mm-hmm. it's really like the most like sacred act you can share with someone, mm-hmm. really, truly, and like I'm definitely been an advocate of like you know. Do what you feel. Free love. Fuck right, who you right, want. Fuck who you want. Do that. And, and, define I, and I still feel that way, but check in with yourself. Right. Truly check in yeah. with yourself. Because nine times out of ten, That's you're not, not feeling you feel. so great. You're not feeling so great about all the things you're doing and the people you're sharing yourself with. You're feeling depleted. Mm-hmm. It's just sad it's taken 15 years to come to that conclusion. Like, bitch has been fucking for about 15 plus two. But you know, <laughs> at least we're finding out now. now like, it right. may have taken 15 years, but it could have, like, some people are still Living figuring this yeah. out. And they might be a little bit older. So I'm great, definitely grateful to have come to this point now, this point of awareness or, like, I guess, awakening. Um, you know, everybody's empowered by different things, especially as women. And so for that reason, I I don't know, part of me also wanted to be one of the guys. You know, I wanted to be able to have sex as freely and as um, as often with no strings attached just to say that I could. Or because I guess me too. Part of me was jealous that they could just do it and, and, and be okay. And it kind of gives you a sense of power. Sure. Like, right. I don't who? Like, I wasn't thinking about him. To check in, like you said, when I was honest with myself, I was like, I... It takes me so long to really build a connection with somebody. Like, pictures don't do anything for me. You know, I go to castings, and I'm in rooms with the most beautiful people in the world, so there has to be a connection outside of that. So casual sex really doesn't do anything for me. Um, And I felt bad about that for so long because, you know, we're so progressive, and and that might be an archaic way of thinking. Oh, what? Women can have casual sex, too. And, yeah, yeah, they can. But if I'm being really honest... It's not for me. I don't feel good afterwards, and it's an energy exchange. Mm-hmm. I guess it's interesting because, um, like, discussing sex and sexuality, mm-hmm. which brings us to our topic hey. that we wanted to talk about, <laughs> um, it really, because I've had similar feelings, like wanting to be free and empowered and doing this, and this doesn't define me, but like you said, leaving something feeling depleted mm-hmm. or feeling having certain feelings, it's. I wonder how much that affects how we feel about ourselves. Because sexuality is separate from having sex. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel very comfortable in my skin. If I could take this dress off and work around rework without with my panties, I'd be really happy. You know? like, <laughs> I'm just grabbing some coffee, guys. And Don't like, mind. Calm down. Yeah. Yeah. And it's Don't not, you look at these things. <laughs> Relax. Okay. 
Um, and it's, it's not about attention for mm-hmm. me. It's just about how I feel comfortable. Like, if someone's going to photograph me, I'd feel more comfortable if I was naked. Okay. It would be, it, it's easier for me to feel, like, feel prettier naked than, like, if you're going to take a picture of my face. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It's just how, I, but I'm wondering, because I think that for so long I'm comfortable in my skin that I thought I'm supposed to be comfortable in having casual sex, too. You know what right. I mean? Mm. And there's so many, there's so many limits. That and, one goes with the other. Right. You know what I mean? Like, if I am progressive, and I do believe in free love, and da 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 so I have to, you know, I have to have casual sex, right? Mm-hmm. Like, fuck, it's fine. But it's it's interesting how, like, our sexuality is so defined by, like, our, our sexual encounters and how much sex we have. And, 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 in fact, they're not really related at all. But it's so tainted. They're so right. intertwined. Um, but as a, as a mom, because we all are, there is limp boundaries on how we are supposed to be now because your mother is like on our sexuality and how we're supposed to portray publicly how how sexual we are or like how sexy we are or how sexualized we are mm-hmm. you know like you you said like when we were talking about what we should talk about today you mentioned that you know people are totally fine with you posing mm-hmm. nude when you're modeling and it's beautiful and whatever fantasy they build in their mind of who you are, but if you take a picture naked with your daughter, then mm-hmm. it's problematic for people right. where they feel uncomfortable. Right. Like, why, why do you think that is? Um, I think that, I think two things. One, um, so now we get married for different reasons than we got married back in the day. Um, back in the day, women had to get married because you didn't have any rights without a husband, you couldn't own property, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you had to get married. Um, and a lot of times, the bashing comes from other women because of the same archaic way of thinking. That woman that was free and giving away the milk without making the man buy the cow, well now you're dipping into our pot. If this woman is out here doing this and being so free, then we're not going to be able to get married off. And I think that's why, I mean, it's obviously it's subconscious, but you know, you look at how that has unfolded to today and why sometimes these women are bashing other women is because of this really just like archaic way of thinking of if you're that way, you're going to take our men and they're not going to want us anymore. Damn, I never um, even thought about that. And then the other one, um, I was at this um, screening recently from um, a friend of mine. His name is Joe Lumberjack. Um, this is Instagram, my bad, Joe Lumberjack. But I went to a screening, and we were talking about similar subject matters and tam- taboo topics. And uh, it came up, and I loved how it was phrased, and it's so true. And I think that might even be the way, the reason that I don't like the porn when it's like two women is because a lot of times when you see sex scenes with women, the woman isn't the subject, she's the object. Mm. The man is the subject. Mm. The man is the one that's controlling the narrative and getting what he wants. So um, moving forward to my modeling photos, if I am posing, well, I'm the object again and you like it because my sexuality is fitting into your fantasy. When I own my sexuality now and take ownership ownership of that and make myself the subject, well, you can't objectify me in the same way now. Mm. Um, I'm not arching my back, so my nudity isn't performative, which means you don't want to see it. Mm. Right. I had people even tell me that it was a form of child abuse what? to be naked in front of my daughter. That you birthed naked? Right, and unfortunately, um, it, w- it was other women that were having mm. these, um, sharing these comments with mm. me. And, you know, so many times we get mad at somebody because they're doing or living a way that we can't or that we feel like we can't. And I'm never going to stifle myself or make myself smaller in any kind of way to make somebody else more comfortable. Because I did that for so long, I made myself the butt of the jokes because I knew I was so intimidating or I had resting bitch face and I just, I really wanted to be (laughs) likable. And so the way to do that was to make other people laugh. So I would start to joke on myself and kind of put myself down, which was all cool and dandy, until I started to believe my own words. Um, so I can't do that anymore. Right. I can't. Yeah. So when you when people do come at you and what do you what do you do? Do you take the time to educate them? What do you even do in that situation? Because there's not they're, they're keyboard gangsters. I like to call them. Right. Like, right. like how do you? And like, how do you how do you deal with that? Like, do you just ignore it? Don't let it affect your day. Um, keep it moving. 
I'm human, so I can sit here and act like, oh, words don't sting. They do, especially when somebody says something that might touch on a personal trigger for you anyway, then it just, it gets amplified. So a lot of times I'll take into consideration who it's coming from. Sometimes it's like a stupid little bot account or somebody with no photo that's following. I don't know. Those kind of people I'm not going to give the time of day. Sometimes it's people that are asking sincere questions. Um, One person said, well, I get you wanting to be naked for your daughter and all that but then just go and be that I have an issue with you though putting it on the internet and my response to that was you know these other people and adults on the internet those are the minds that I'm trying to change you know so yeah I'm directly teaching my daughter something but I would also like to introduce a new perspective to yeah you adults scrolling on my profile looking at me because nudity does not have to be a bad thing I grew up in Germany our newspaper our beauty of the week was a butt naked woman full frontal, full bush, so I was exposed to body hair at a very Mm -hmm. natural age. Um, Kids are topless, girls and boys, you know why? Because they don't have boobs, their bodies are the same way. Well, that's what I was gonna ask you. How do you feel about like nudity with children on like on the on the, on Instagram because it's been like it's conflicted like I've been I know like people have messaged people have messaged me like oh my god you posted like a video of Irie topless. I'm like what is there? People have messaged you? Right. Mm -hmm. And like, or like you're like, it's not, it's not that, it's not pe- me, but it's like other, other people, people. But predators. you're the one messaging me. So I think that's like, well, why, why should... they're messaging me because they felt uncomfortable and they wanted me to think about it. Well, I, I, I always encourage people, why is this making you uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we can't live our lives in fear of predators. Right. I mean, shit, they're everywhere. They're at the fucking family cookout. Let's be real. Right. Like when shit happens, it's. 99.9 times people that are... Yeah, it's not a stranger. It's, it's, it's not somebody yeah. hiding in the bushes. The pedophiles come in all forms, and they don't wear a sign. You know, so, like, am I going to live my entire life? Because, you know, there was a... I'm, I was I breastfed for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, doesn't, it didn't bother me. I would breastfeed at a restaurant, and my daughter was turned too. She can pull my titty out wherever. And I'm like, she's going to eat. And I'm not putting a blanket over her face, you know? Right. And, you know, I had, you know, friends say stuff. Like, the waiter's looking at you. And I'm like, fuck the waiter. You know, I don't give a fuck, you know, but it's interesting that I don't know on the Internet. It is. It's a strange place for the kids because Mm -hmm. there are weirdos and people. Even the other day, Luna was looking at YouTube, which I got to cut that shit out. And there was like there was a she was looking at something like kids. It was like bedtime routines. And there was like kids. It was like a girl and she's like hugging a teddy bear, hugging another kid and laying down. There's like. Just weird clips of kids going to bed. It's like <laughs> these weird mashups that they yeah. do. Yeah, and I, I didn't get it. And then I looked at the views, and they were so high. And I was just like, I don't know what made this pop into my mind, because obviously I'm not a pedophile. But I'm like, I could just see that someone could, like... Watching kids getting tucked in. Yeah. And, like, that being their thing. Yeah, yeah. And even there's, like, some bathtub stuff on there. And for me, like, it went there, because now that my kid's getting older, and that, I mean, I, you, have to, you have to be aware, but it's just, like, to, uh, to, what, to what extent? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, I've had people, I, my daughter was, like, so, like fully clothed on a, a, a stripper pole because my friend had one at her house, <laughs> and I thought it was hilarious. And I put it on Instagram, and mm-hmm. I got so many text messages. I'm like, calm the fuck down. Mm-hmm. There's a pole at the playground, first of all, and she doesn't associate a pole with, like, being, I'm not putting fucking pennies in her diaper. Right. And my dad told me one time I was dancing, and his friend kept putting pennies in my diaper. Oh my and look, goodness. I'm not a stripper, you know? <laughs> and then there's a Cindy Lou from down the street whose dad was a minister and, you know, was tight locked, and now she's a stripper. So as a, ch- as a child, I don't think we have... They're not aware of shit like that until adults make them aware. Right. So I'm very conscious of that. Like, my child has no no scope of that. And I don't want to put that on our social bullshit, you know, on mm-hmm. our kids. So I, I don't I don't believe in that. Obviously, I'm not going to, like, let her be butt naked on Instagram. Right. But, you know. Do you think, um, what if your daughter wanted to pose naked on Instagram at, like, I don't know. 18. 18 or younger even I mean modeling even if she did want to be a model I mean models are like 15 years old these days I know but did they doing post- like right. full grown like campaigns like even nudity I don't know I don't know maybe what like sheer, are, sheer are there fashions? roles for that like young girls posing nude for like high fashion campaigns I is that a thing I didn't start modeling modeling until after I was already 18 so I can't even speak on I'm what just the curious, rules are around that are so I would models. hope so um they can probably get away with doing stuff that reads sexual and is implied. 
or maybe if they have the consent of the parent, if they're like 16, 17, I don't know how that goes. Um, Didn't the underage child pose for Playboy in, in France, and that was a big thing when he died, Hugh Hefner? It was like someone known, too. I don't remember that. Yeah, I don't know. But with your, but if your daughter wanted to do that, because you're open about it and right. open to it, how would you feel about that? Um, I would ask her why, because I think the intention behind it really matters. Um, like, for one, something can be perceived as sexual, whether that was my intention or not, right? right? Like, I can just post a selfie, and somebody's going to be like, oh, you're so sexy. And then I could be butt naked, and somebody could be like, oh, you're so sexy. Yeah. So um, just because she's naked doesn't necessarily mean that it's sexual. Right. So I would ask her, okay, what's the concept? What is it for? Mm -hmm. Why are you doing it? Um, do I want her spread ego on the internet at any point in her life? No. I always want it to be, like, tasteful and... I don't know, have a reason behind it. I hope that our relationship is open and fluid enough that if that ever comes up, we're able to have a full-blown conversation about it. Right. Because kind of like what you were saying, you know, okay, they put pennies in my diaper, I'm not a stripper. Like, talking to my daughter about suicide and mental health isn't going to make her suicidal. Talking to my daughter about nudity isn't going to make her um, jump on a pole naked. You know, not having those conversations, however, mm -hmm. might open up the door to a lot of that dark stuff that we were trying to avoid. Right. I have another question. Um, I, I don't know. Like, what's your sexual preference? I'm bi. Okay. Do you discuss that with your daughter? Yeah, she went. To, okay. <laughs> so she went to. Uh, we went to our first Pride in Atlanta, and it was really cool. She it's was fine. super Pride young. Atlanta, yeah. yeah. So she doesn't really remember that one too much. And then we went to New York Pride, and um, somehow we ended up in the parade. It was totally by accident, and we were walking behind one of the floaties, and they were giving us stuff to hand out to the audience. And I was like, how cool. She can be, like, really interactive. You know, it's, it's sunglasses. It's, like, little beaded necklaces that have, you know, the rainbow pride stuff on there. And she's throwing stuff out, and then I realized we were behind the safe sex floaty, so my baby was throwing out condoms to the audience. <laughs> as open and progressive as I am, I was like, oh, hold on. Safe sex is great, but let mama throw those. <laughs> so um, she knows. She knows that the rainbow flag is the gay flag um she knows that mommy's bi her only question to me was okay well mom can I ask you something why didn't you marry daddy mm -hmm. and then I had to let her know that hey we love you very much um but we don't love each other but but we love you mm -hmm. you know and but she knows you're okay so when you say she knows mommy's bi does she know what that means does mm -hmm. she know like has she, she knows, seen you and like with a woman like in a um, romantic no, relationship so, I'm very mindful about who I bring around my daughter and in what capacity. So any of the girlfriends that she met, we never carried ourselves in a manner that let her know anything other than that's mommy's friend. Right. Not because I was hiding my sexuality, but because I before I introduce you as a partner to my daughter, I need to know that this is something a little bit more stable. Um, and then my relationships kind of... And this is when I stopped dating because I realized that if all my relationships are capping at a year, a year and a half, I'm the common denominator. <laughs> I got some stuff that I got to work out. Um, and so, and I think that too is kind of like when relationships start to get serious. Like when you get to that year mark, it's like, mm -hmm. all that's right, when you know. right. Like, oh. are we or aren't we or whatever? And that's when mine always fizzled out. Um, my ex happened to be a man. He was the first man I dated in five years. And... Um, we got to a year and a half-ish, and I took that step, and I introduced her to him, and then it ended up biting me in the butt. And so I'm trying not to lead with fear now because, like, oh, dang, the first time I did introduce her and it didn't work out so well. But kids are so strong and resilient, and she took it better than I. Do you know what she said to me? She said, Mom, I'm sorry for your loss. I'm sorry your relationship didn't work out. Aw, so deep yeah. <laughs> for an 8-year-old. yeah. So she understands that love is love, that two women can love each other, that two men can love each other, um, that one day mommy might love a woman, and she just, as long as I answered her question on why her, me and her dad weren't together, that was really all she cared about. Do you want more kids? Before I had her, I said that I was going to have four boys and I was going to be a super mom and all this other bullshit. Until <laughs> um, so you have one, you're like, damn, it's right. a lot of work. And now, having a daughter, I'm like, oh, God really knows what he's doing. Because I have no idea what I would have done with the boy. I, I don't know what I would have taught him. Mm. I don't, I just, I'm glad I had a daughter. Um, that being said, having her so young really threw a monkey wrench in my timeline. I have siblings that are uh, four years older and 13 months younger, and we're really close-knit. 
I have seen it work where people have those um, big gaps between their kids mm. and it still is a great dynamic but I do worry how that would change the sibling dynamic because she's eight now I would have to pop out a baby within the next two years and I very happy with how my stomach looks right now. So, <laughs> Maybe not. Right. Okay. I mean, if I'm with a woman, she has the same ovaries I do, mm-hmm. she can carry the baby. Then we can open up that conversation. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but as long as you're doing the carrying and... Yeah, I don't know. I'm totally cool with, like, adopting and being a foster mom, and there's so many ways to parent. Yeah. Um, so I'm blessed if I don't, and if I do, then God bless me more. It could go either way. <laughs> Um, do you have any other questions? Um, I mean, no, not necessarily other than the, I think we really covered the sexuality. And I think it's, it's a given that we live in a patriarchy. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot of, um, double standards. Right. Like virgin testing. That's strictly done on girls. What? Virgin testing. I went to school yeah. with a girl. They test who, your heim, heim yeah. Who's the doing the testing? Like you go to doctors, you go to hospitals, and you the thing is, still intact. your mother you can, can make you do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, you can break your hymen falling off a horse. Yeah, so that doesn't mean yeah. that you're um, not a virgin. Are doctors anymore. still doing that? Uh, maybe, maybe. I don't know, but this was. I know. Let's see. My ten year reunion is coming up, but still, there was a girl that was sneaking out at the time, and her parents found out. And they thought that she was maybe sleeping around, and they took her to the doctors, and they made her get a virgin test, which is like, I am, I feel like that would be really traumatizing, because a the, the daughter was a virgin, so she hadn't been sneaking out, yeah. she hadn't whatever, and now you're making your child like I hate going to get a pap, but I have to get it done. I can't I imagine doctors shouldn't be able to do that. Right, That's but just such an it's an not done on mm. boys. You're yeah. not worried about virgin mm. testing for your son. Sunday. Well, there's no way to right. test. But we're right. so but we, but people still wouldn't, wouldn't do it. Do it anyway. yeah. No, women bear the fr- bear all of the blame. We bear. Well, we have to bear the children. We have to take the birth control. We have to do go through all the means of like, with our body, like we have to be a pure, sanctified unicorn. But we gotta also do it all. We have, to sacri- to we have to sacrifice. Drop it like it's hot and twerk and bust it up. But how are we supposed to learn these tricks if we're so pure, pure and, and holy and can't? I'm so sick of this shit. <laughs> I'm, so sick. I'm so sick of this shit. I can't. I don't. I can't. Even, I don't even know how to navigate it. Mm-hmm. Seriously, it's just it's so such a double standard, and it's so hard to be like a multifaceted mm-hmm. woman. Um, <laughs> they were giving Kim K all the trouble. They were giving Beyonce trouble when she became a mother. Mm-hmm. I was being sexual. It's like fuck if Beyonce and Kim K can't get away with it. <laughs> you put all my sexuality behind me. No way. And I'm so tired of people acting like the vagina is gonna stretch out or like get loose. Half of the guys that say that stuff don't have the physical capacity to stretch a woman out. A. B. The vagina is like a muscle, right? Yeah. So it's not this thing that gets looser and looser. Like it's more like a scrunchie. You know, it can stretch and then it contracts again. You know, so. It's just a way to fuck with us and right. a way to be like, she's a whore. That's right. the whole thing. Like, she's a That's the biggest like, thing an insult guy can throw at you. Oh, oh absolutely. She's, she's a Lucy whore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've heard she slept with four people. And not even guys, women too. But, yeah, and, that, and that's fucked up too. We use it against each other. It's always is, sexual. The way we demean women is always based in sex. Do you watch House of Cards, either of you? I haven't watched this season. I haven't watched it in a while either. Um, I ever love since. that. I know, the Kevin's basic thing. But before that, I was watching it I uh, love religiously. Oh, She's so amazing. There was one episode, and Kevin Spacey says, everything is about sex except for sex. Sex is about power. And I was like, ooh. Mm. <sighs> There's some truth there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah unfortunately. That's true. That's true. Um, did you have any more questions? I don't think so. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I appreciate that. That Thank conversation. Yeah. So many things in my mind now. So yeah. many enlightened moments. Yeah. I, um, and thank you for coming down here and hanging out and I'm so happy I got to meet you in person likewise like, it was so good you talking know, with you know talk and communicate and see like you know you actually hear people speak and you're like oh wow not like you just never know you just yeah. never know when you're meeting someone like who, how, how your energy is going to connect and that's why I love podcasting because mm-hmm. it gives you the opportunity to just connect with people that you might never have connected with and you can't I could have just it. I could have just been yeah. kept scrolling on the Instagram right. on your Instagram like 
what she's like. If you can be anybody on social media, but face to face, I mean, totally if different. you're a really good actor, great. But it's harder to fake that energy. Yeah. Person to it's person. almost impossible yeah. to fake that energy. Absolutely, and I'm an energy person. Mm. Oh yeah, this is true. <laughs> well, this is our water signs. Be we be getting into so you're Scorpio and you're Cancer. <sighs> We'll be reading the phone. Let's, uh-huh. Let's just go for a swim, y'all. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> only, one per- only one person at the Soho house. <laughs> I know. One person at a time. Oh, my God. All right, you guys. Well, um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Um, www.alexundone.com. Uh, Instagram, also, alexundone.com. And if you guys are in Atlanta, I'm hosting my very first workshop, uh, Build Your Brand, Beginner's Guide to Modeling. Come oh, check it out. I have a lot to teach you guys. When yeah. is that? August 17th. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I'm really exciting. excited to go back to Atlanta. Atlanta's a great city. You live there? Uh, no, but I just have friends there. I have family yeah, there. I love Atlanta, uh, too. Yeah. That's so dope. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Um, and you can find us at goodmoms underscore bad choices or um, on the interweb at <laughs> www.goodmomsbadchoices.com. Subscribe to our newsletter. Buy our merch. All that good Follow shit. us. Love us, subscribe. Oh, write a review. If you have some time, go in and hit that review button on Apple Podcasts. You have time. It takes three minutes. Yeah, if you've been listening and you haven't left a review, do us a favor. Let us a little review. Give us that five-star rating each. (laughs) Um, And have a wonderful week, you guys. Lost in the thrill of it all. Miami, Amsterdam. Tokyo, Spain, Los Angeles, India, lost on a train, love.